Good evening. How's everybody doing? Amazing. Amazing. All right. I am good. I'm good. I hear it's hot outside. Anybody, anybody testify to that? All right. So as you've heard tonight, we're going to be uh, studying Deuteronomy. Um, we're going to be continuing in the Emmaus Road um, study. And uh, my assignment was Deuteronomy. So I'm going to start by reminding you guys of where kind of this idea is with the, with the Emmaus Road. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 through 27. <clears throat> I'm going to read them real quick. Um, Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have happened, in, happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all, that the, th all the things and inner slow to believe that the prophets had spoken, have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, himself. So what we're talking about here is we're going beginning to end. We're finding Jesus in all the scriptures, okay? Jesus in this story, he meets these men who, who, who didn't know it was him, they're sad because he's gone. They're sad because they can't find the body. They're, they're confused, I'm sure. And he goes, where does he go to, to, to share with them? He goes back to the beginning. He goes back to Moses and all the prophets. So that's kind of, that's kind of the, the, the basis for why we're doing this. I know you all have heard that before, but I, wanna, I know we haven't met in a couple of weeks, so just wanted to make sure that was uh, before you. Um, so in, as a review... Um, I'm, gonna go, I'm just going to kind of go through the things that we've heard already. We've been in Genesis. Uh, Pastor Josh did Genesis. Um, we talked about creation. We met Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, we saw Joseph in Egypt. Exodus, um, chapter 1 was a 400-year period of time, just that one chapter. Um, chapter 2 was Moses until about 80 years old. Um, and then chapter 3 through about the middle of Numbers, that's a, a, a one-year period of time, but as a, as a, it, there was a lot that happened in that one-year period of time. Moses, called, Moses was called to lead God's people out of Egypt. God gave him the law, um, 
he, he and he made the he made these he made these his the Israelites his people. He instructs them even though they don't obey. And if if you've been in Sunday school, some we've kind of walked through some of these things. So we see disobedient um, people who are God's chosen. Um, in Leviticus, we see continued instruction from God. We see uh, instruction for Moses and for his people, uh, specifically for the atonement of sin of the sins of these people. In Numbers, we see continued instruction again. Um, the people are led um, almost to the promised land. They, they're, they're, they're heading in the right direction. And around chapter 13 or 14, um, they, turn, they turn away from God. They begin turning away, and God turns them away from the promised land and back toward Egypt. Now, he doesn't send them back to Egypt, back into slavery, but, um, but he, does, he does allow them to wander for 38 to 40 years um, in, in a place called Kadesh, um, and, and, but, but God was still with them. God protected them. He took care of them. But this generation had sort of died off, okay? So at the end, toward the end of Numbers, God starts taking them back to the promised land, okay? And that's where we, pick, that's where we kind of pick up. Um, so a few, a few fun facts about Deuteronomy. It's 34 chapters. Uh, next slide. It's 34 chapters, 959 verses, approximately 28,461 words, depending on the translation you're using. Um, it was written around 1410 B.C. by Moses, and, and the very end of it was written by Joshua. Um, the major characters we'll see here are God, Moses, the Israelites, and Joshua. Um, Deuteronomy is the last book of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the, um, of the Bible, and sometimes called the books of Moses. Um, what does Deuteronomy mean? It's kind of a funny word. It's not easy. Yeah, it's easy to say, I guess, but it's, it's just kind of one of those funny words. You don't, you don't hear anything like it. Um, in, in, verses seven, in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, verses 18 through 20, I'm going to read those uh, for us real quick. It says, And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the uh, commandment either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. So what God, what God knew was they were going to want a king at some point. And God says, I want this king to know, the, I want this king and every king after him to know this law. Okay, so he instructed the kings to write these laws on tablets um, so, that they would, so that they would know it well. So in this scripture, you're probably thinking, well, what does that have to do with the word Deuteronomy? In this scripture, he tells them to copy or, or, or to duplicate this law. The, 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 the word there is Deuteronomion, Deuteronomion. So Deutero means second or copy, and nomion means law. So second law. This isn't a new law. This isn't a different law from what they've already had. This is, a, this is, this is the law being repeated, okay? So, um, so that's where, that's where the, 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 uh, the name of the book comes from. A um, couple of quotes uh, that I found in my, in my study. Um, Daniel Block wrote a, a commentary on this book, and he called it The Gospel According to Moses and Jesus' Favorite Book. Now, we're going to get into why he said that about it being Jesus' favorite book kind of at the end. Um, and... Uh, William Tyndale um, said, Deuteronomy is a book to be read in day and night and never be out of hands, for it is the most excellent of books of Moses. It is easy also and light and very pure gospel that is a preaching of faith 
and love, deducing the love of God out of faith and the love of man's neighbor out of the love of God. Alright, so Deuteronomy is, is um, quoted more times in the New Testament than every Old Testament book except Isaiah and Psalms. Um, so those, those are just some kind of some fun facts. Deuteronomy is made up of three speeches of Moses. Um, th these people are getting ready to enter the promised land, okay? So Moses has something to say because Moses is getting toward the end of his life, okay? So before they enter the promised land, Moses, Moses wants to have this conversation with them. Um, and and Moses, Moses wants to, um, again, they're standing on the Jordan River uh, ready to enter the promised land. So we have basically three, three sections it's, it's broken down into. Recap, the first three chapters, Moses goes back and talks to them about things that have already happened. Chapters 4 through 26, we have what's called exposition. Now, what's kind of the root word to exposition? Expose. Very good. So, excuse me. Moses is exposing them to the, exposing the law to them. He's showing them the law. He's giving them the law. Um, and then at the end, before his death, I put yeah, in the slide, I said 27 through 34. I think it's 27 through 32. And then the end, we get uh, the, the story of Moses' death. But um, in those chapters, Moses uh, is giving an exhortation. Basically, here's what you've done. Here's the law. Now obey it. He's telling them that they need to, they need to obey the law or follow the law. And then, of course, we see Moses' death toward the end. Now, uh, in this book, there are two main points, and that's where we're going to kind of camp out for a little while about the book, uh, on the book of Deuteronomy. The two main points are, point number one, God chooses His people. Point number two, His people are to choose Him. Okay? All right, so the first one, God chooses His people. Now, I said God chooses His people, but we want to get into who this God is who's chosen. So, who chooses His people? The first, um, the first sort of characteristic, I guess you would say, is He is the one true God, okay? So, what I'm going to get uh, you guys to do, I'm going to let you guys read a little bit. I need somebody to get Deuteronomy 4, 32 through 39, Logan. Um, 7, 17 through 22, Emma. Um, and 1123, Aiden. Um, all right, we'll stop there for now. No, no, we won't. I'm sorry. Yes, we will. Sorry. Okay. All right, so the, fir the first characteristic, the first who is this, who is this God who's chosen him, is the one true God. So toward the end of Moses' first speech, he reminds the people of the very thing that God had just done in Exodus to show His uniqueness and His power. God is not like anybody else, okay? All right? God is unique. Now, I get that we're all unique, right? We're all, we're all different. We have sets of twins in here. They're sort of the same. They're, they're close to the same, but they're not the same. They're different. We're all, we're all different. God is unique on a whole other level. And we're going to see that... Um, we're going to see that a little more. But, but Moses is reminding them what's just happened in the Exodus was because of God. And, and the reason he did it was to show how unique and how powerful he is. Logan, go ahead. Signs by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand, and outstretched arm, by great terrors according to all 
Okay, so again, God's uniqueness, God's power in these things. In chapter 7, we, we, we see him called a, a, a great and awesome God. Uh, chapter 32, verse 4, uh, refers, to him, refers to this God as, as the rock, and his works are perfect, his ways are just. God's uniqueness is all throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Um, so the first one is, he's the one true God. The second point is, he is a sovereign God. Everybody know what sovereign means? Somebody tell me what sovereign means. Having dominion, having complete control. Okay? Having complete, absolute control over everything, right? So we have a God that's a sovereign God, and this is the one we're talking about here. Numerous references in Deuteronomy speak of his sovereignty. Numerous references in all the Bible speak of his sovereignty. Um, chapters 2 and 3, we see military success for, for his people because of his sovereignty. Um, Moses addresses this in uh, somebody who had 7, 17 through 22. Emma? Dispose. Okay, so we see here another, uh, th that military success that we were talking about. These armies are bigger, and we're going to get into that a little bit more later. These armies are bigger than, than the Israelites. They're, they're more in number. They're stronger. Um, but God, God is going to allow them to defeat them. His promises are going to be fulfilled, and His timing is perfect. If you notice there at the end, He says, we're not going to do it all at the same time. Okay, uh, The Lord your God will carry away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, okay? So it's going to happen a little, a little by little. So God's sovereign over the time of when this happens. Um, 11.23, who had, who had that? Okay, so again, these nations are, are bigger and stronger than them. So um, pointed out in these verses, he's going to drive these nations out. Um, he, wants, he wants his people to realize this is him doing these things, okay? Um, he's the one doing it, not them. Israel's fate is literally in God's hands, okay? Because, once again, these are much larger 
armies. These are much larger nations that they're coming into contact with, okay? And he's going to allow them to destroy them. Um, so when we think about um, blessings and success in our own lives, um, it should never be prideful. It should never be, look how great I am. It should be, look how great God is, okay? And that's, that's kind of the point here. Everything that we have that's good is from God. Um, so the second kind of point under this point is why did God choose these people? Why did God choose these people? Somebody grab, um, it's not on the slide, somebody grab uh, chapter 1, verse 32 for me. Just one, Emma. Um, somebody get 9, 4 through 6. Uh, Amelia? Um, somebody get 4, 37 through 39. Joseph? Uh, uh, Jonathan? Joseph's son? <laughs> um, let's see, 7, 6 through 8. All right, and that, that'll be it for now. Okay. So why did he choose them? Let's look at verse one, chapter one, verse thirty-two. Okay, so quick verse there, but he's pointing out the reason he not the reason not the reason that he chose them. If that makes sense, um, they they are as he says a little bit later on, stiff-necked or stubborn people, okay? So Moses says that they did not trust the Lord in this verse, okay? So they, they lacked faith, and that's not the reason he chose them based on their faith, based on their righteousness, okay? Uh, 9, 4 through 6. So he kind of hits them with it. I'm not, giving it. I'm not giving you this promised land because of your righteousness. I'm not giving you this because you're good. You're a stiff-necked people. You're stubborn. They're going to get this blessing, but they're only going to get it because of God's goodness. So why did he choose them? Because of his goodness. And, um, and also because of the wickedness of the other nation. Okay, It's not even necessarily that the other nation was more wicked than these people, but these are his chosen people. All right? Um, God does as He pleases. Um, so, so again, we see that, they're, that they have this blessing because of God's goodness. Um, who had 30, uh, 4, 37 through 39? Okay, so he loved their forefathers and he had chosen their descendants before them. So he has promises that he's made. We talk in Sunday school a lot about 
God's promises. He has promises that He's made. One of those promises is to preserve a people. And these are His people. And so He didn't choose them because of their righteousness, but He chose them, again, because He loved their forefathers and chose the descendants before them. Who had seven, six through eight? So we see here, they're his treasure possessions. Uh, again, fewer in number. They were stubborn. They were stiff-necked. It's kind of like the, the theme leading up to here and past here. He's using some unlikely people um, to, to fulfill his promises, to fulfill his will. Um, because God had loved them and kept his promises to their, to their forefathers. That's why he chose them. So when we ask the question, why did he choose these people? These are the reasons why. Um, not because of their righteousness because of the wickedness of other nations, and because these are his people. All right? So in choosing them, what did, he, what did they get? What did, he, what, did, what did they get from him? Um, chapter 10, verse 22. I need somebody to get that. All right? Um, chapter 11, verses 10 through 12. Logan? Um, chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Amelia? And that's it. Uh, somebody get Ephesians 1, 4. Jonathan. All right, so let's see, make sure I get this right. Okay. All right, <clears throat> so what did he give them in choosing them? What did they get? The first thing they got was God's law. Chapters 4 through 6 is kind of the, is, is, is the, the beginning of the law. We see the Ten Commandments in chapter 5, so it's during, that, during those chapters there. Um, and let's look back and remember the name of the book, the new law. The law again, the copied law, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it that's what it means. So we see, we, see him, uh, we see them reminded one last time of the law before they entered the promised land. Um, one, one video uh, I, got this, I got a lot of my material from for this is a video by a preacher named Mark Dever. And Mark Dever put it like this. He said, it's, it's like they were reading the playbook one last time before going into the game. Okay? Um, I thought that was pretty good illustration. Um, but, but right before they go into the promised land, they're, reading, they're, they're, they're seeing this law again. In chapter 27, we see again that they were to write God's law on stone. They're to set it up so everyone can see. And I think what's really interesting about this that was pointed out in my study, um, you know, God commands no carved images of himself. Um, that's why we don't have pictures of Jesus everywhere all, all over the church. Um, he, he, commands, he commands them not to worship you know, carved images, not to make carved images. Um, but this law was so important, he wanted it put up. Now, obviously, this isn't a carved image of him. It's a carved image of his law. Um, but this is written on tablets, and it, and it was to be displayed. And it was also, every seven years, there was, a, there was a, a meeting, there was a festival of some sort, where they would read this law aloud to everyone there. They would, someone would read the law aloud. So the law was very important. So that's the first gift that they get from following him. Um, the second gift is um, a, a fulfilled promise in, in chapter 10, verse 22. Who had that? Okay. 
So where have we heard that before? As numerous as the stars in heaven. Abraham. That was a promise to Abraham. So what happened? He, he took, I want to say it was from 70 people and made descendants so many that, uh, that, they were, that they outnumbered the stars in the sky. He did what he said he would do. So that is their second gift that they got out of this, um, out of this being chosen by God. The third is um, in chapter 11, verses 10 through 12. Who had that? Go ahead, Logan. Okay, so he gave them their promised land. That was the other thing that they got here. He gave them their promised land. Um, this isn't a land like Egypt where they've been. This isn't a land anything like what they've seen before. This is a beautiful land. Obviously, it says there that it was taken care of, looked after by God himself. So that's three things they've gotten. The law, they've gotten uh, descendants, uh, the promise to Abraham, and they've gotten this land that we've been talking about. The fourth thing they've gotten is uh, somebody read, or who had four, five through eight. Go ahead and read that for us. Okay, so the final gift, the fourth gift, is God Himself. They, their gift, their, this is the main gift, is God Himself. God is near to His people. Okay, chapter 31, Moses tells Joshua, Do not be afraid, God is with you. Chapter 33, we hear that God is your refuge. God gave them Himself by choosing them. Um, the people found assurance standing on the Jordan, looking at the promised land. The greatest gift of all is God. Um, now, I like what Dever said about, about this. Um, think about your blessings, all the blessings that you have in your life. Okay. The point of your blessings is to turn your eyes from the gift to the giver. Okay? I really like that quote. Because the point of your blessings aren't the blessings in and of themselves. The point of your blessings... Is to, is to turn, are to turn your eyes to Him, okay? And that's, that, that's, I thought that was a really good quote. Um, God's people are special because God gives Himself to His people like a husband or a father. Now, um, I'm both a husband and a father and a grandfather, and um, I would absolutely uh, give my life for my husband, for my husband, oh my gosh. I would absolutely give my life for my wife and uh, my child and my grandchildren, and there may be a few of y'all in here that I would give my life for. 
Um, but yeah, you know, God gave Himself to these people by choosing them. Um, God chose Israel for His own pleasure. Israel was still unfaithful. They were still stiff-necked and stubborn. They were still disobedient, okay? Um, but these were His people. My son is disobedient. My grandchildren are disobedient. My wife is disobedient. And I still love them. They're still my people, um, just for an illustration. Um, so the, the only fully faithful chosen one was Jesus. All right? We're going to talk about him a little bit later. Um, Ephesians 1.4. Somebody read that for me real quick, whoever had it. Okay, so he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So he, God, chose us in him, Christ, before the foundation of the world. All right, he chose us. All right, just like he chose what we're talking about here, the Israelites, he chose us. If you're in here tonight and you're saved, God chose you, okay? Um, if, you, if you feel proud of your salvation, think about this. He chose you. You did nothing to earn or obtain that salvation. God chose you. Um, another, um, another really good quote I found uh, from, from Mark Dever says, when we grasp the, that God chooses His people, we realize that our posture as Christians should never be of anxiety or pride, but hope and gratitude. A confident knowledge of God and His Word will kill our pride and fuel our hope. Okay, so... Keep in mind, as Christians, we shouldn't be... I, 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 used, to, I, I used to have a pastor um, that, that loved to say this all the time. As Christians, we shouldn't be sad all the time. We shouldn't be sitting in the pews or sitting at our work or sitting at school or sitting at home with our hands folded and just pouting and, and not happy about life. As Christians, we have a hope that people who aren't Christians don't have, okay? And it's the greatest hope that we could ever have. And we should be happy and we should be excited about it. Now... Is life going to kick us and knock us down a little bit? Sure, it's going to happen. But as a, as a kind of a baseline for how we are, we shouldn't be miserable. We shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be sad all the time. We should be happy because we have this hope. No matter what happens, we have this hope. All right, so the second point, and that's the next slide, is God's people were to choose Him. Now, that can get kind of confusing because we don't believe that we choose God, but this is... This is a reaction to God choosing us, okay? So let's make sure we understand that. And I'm going to say that and things like it several times through this. So, um, so the first scripture I need somebody to get is uh, Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2, Emma. Um, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20. It just says just 19, but I need you to get 20 as well. Um, 2 Peter 15, uh, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Casey, I didn't see you sneak in, buddy. Um, Ephesians 2, uh, 9, Josiah, um, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, Miss Bethany, and Deuteronomy 4, 25 through 28, all right, okay, so it says his people were to choose God, God's people were to choose him, what does this choice mean, all right, so the first thing that this choice means is them, the, the, the people choosing, these people choosing God, again, once He's already chosen them, is essential to them being God's special people. Now, did they become speci God's special people by choosing God? No. They became God's special people by God choosing them, but them choosing Him is a direct reflection of Him choosing them. 
figure that one out, Andre. All right. Um, so, so here it says following God would be a choice. Uh, who had four, one through two? One and two. Go ahead. Okay, so he says, Hear now, O Israel. All right? So keep in mind, Pastor Drew said this a few weeks ago, the Bible is not necessarily to us, but it's what? For us. Very good. It's not necessarily to us, but it's for us. Okay? So, he's, so uh, verse 30, uh, chapter 30, 19 and 20. Okay, so Moses calls them here to choose life. So this is going to require work, okay? Everybody remember James. James says that faith without works is dead. Very good. Faith without works is dead, okay? I'm going to ask you again. Does that mean works save us? No. Works do not save us, okay? Works do not save us. But if we are saved, we will do the works, okay? Think about it. Why do we come to church? If I weren't saved, I've got better things to do, right? If I don't believe that Jesus died for me, i got other things that I'd be doing tonight, other things that I would be doing on Sunday mornings, other things that I would be doing on Sunday evenings when we, when we have it, okay? I would have, other th I would have something else to do when it's time for me to read, when it's time for me to pray, when it's time for me to talk to my wife and, my, and you guys or, or, or whoever, about Christ. I would have other things to do, okay? These works are a reflection. These works, I mean, a result of, of our salvation. All right? So he tells them to choose life. Um, James reminds us that faith without works are dead. Your works don't save you, but we, we are to examine our works to see if God has graciously saved us, okay? So the, the Bible also says you'll know them by their fruit, right? You'll know them by the way they act, the way they, what they do in this whole, this whole idea of work. Is there evidence that marks your life? Is there evidence that says this person is saved or this person is not? It's pretty easy to point out when someone isn't saved, right? There's, there's certain language. Maybe they're the kind of person that, we'll, as we talked about earlier, they're always anxious, they're always depressed, they're always sad. Um, and that's not to say that depression isn't a real issue. It is a real issue. Um, but... But there are certain things that we will see in people who aren't saved. There are also certain things that we'll see in people who are saved, okay? And there are numerous examples. Um, who had Second Peter? Second Peter 1, 5 through 7? Casey? Okay, <clears throat> so this is kind of what this looks like. These are, these are some of the things that you'd see 
and someone who was saved. So these are some of the works. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to speed up. All right, uh, Ephesians 2.9, who had that? Is that it? Maybe I left out. Maybe you need to go to 10. I'm sorry. I left out 10. There we go. Okay. So we are his workmanship for good works. Okay? We are his workmanship to do these things that we talk about. Um, It's not what we do to obtain salvation. It's what we do as the result of that salvation. Okay? Um, So the second point is... This is a personal choice, okay? Personal to us and personal to God. Um, who had Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20? Okay. Okay, so in this, in this, these scriptures here, there are basically two different ways of living, two different ways to live. Way number one, serve idols. Way number two, love God. Okay, that's kind of what, what these scriptures just explained. So think about, again, this is another one of those things we talk about in Sunday school. Think about idols in your life. Think about things that get more of your attention, more of your concern, more of your time than God. Okay, those are idols, guys. Okay, those are idols. Um, disobeying God is expressing a lack of trust in Him. Um, who had four twenty-five through twenty-eight? All right. So, worshiping idols is a pretty big deal to God. Um, he's even said he would hand them over to uh, wood and metal. I think that's what he said. Wood and stone. Um, so, if you serve idols, um, you're not neutral. Okay. So, there's this there's this whole thing about the myth of neutrality. Um, yeah, I don't really believe in God, but I don't really not believe in God. I'm kind of on the fence. You're not on the fence. Be be assured of that. You're not on the fence. You either do or you don't. Because um, if you don't think you do, then 
if you don't think you if you think you don't, then you don't. Okay, it, it, there's no neutrality. You know how you know they say straddling the fence. There's no straddling the fence. You're on one side or the other. Um, uh, verse eight, seventeen through twenty. Who had that? Or did I, did I sign that yet? Okay. Um, I'm just going to kind of fly through this and run out of time. So eight, seventeen through twenty talks of evil being purged from the people, um, God being very severe on the sin of idolatry um, because it can spiral into other different sins. Um, so the other, the other aspect or the other way to live here is to lo- love God. Um, chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. I'm just going to read that real quick um, because that's, what, that's, what, that's something that's called the Shema. Um, it's a prayer. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. So... Um, and then, and then seven, and then over in seven, uh, nine, God keeps His covenant to those who love Him and keep His commands. Um, verses 10, uh, 12, to th- 12 and 13. I'll read those real quick. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And to, and to keep uh, the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Um, so again, fear and love and serve and, and being a servant um, are the things that we're called to do um, if we love God. So, where is Jesus in Deuteronomy? And I've got a few places that we're going to look. So that's kind of what we're, what we're looking for. Give you a little overview and then where is Jesus in the book of Deuteronomy? So in chapter 10, it speaks of covenant, the covenant, these laws being written on tablets of stone. Um, those stones were broken. If you'll remember, Moses came down. There was the golden calf. Moses got angry. He threw the tablets down. He broke them. Um, and then God commands him again, write these laws on tablets again. Um, and it says here, through the Spirit, Christ, Christ writes the new covenant or the new law on the tablets of our hearts. Okay, So that's, that's kind of one place. Uh, 16.1 speaks of the Passover lamb. And if we remember the Passover at Exodus, uh, we know that the lamb was a substitute, right? The lamb was a substitute. Christ is the substitute for, for fallen sinners. Christ is our substitute. All right? Um, chapter 18, verses 15 through 22 there's a, uh, I'm going to read that, um, and there's one that's not up on the slides, so we're going to get to that one. Um, 15 through 22, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And again, the voice of the Lord my God, or see uh, great fire. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will, ri- I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. So, so we see a prophet coming. We see a, another prophet. What is God? I mean, what is Christ? Prophet, priest, king, right? We've heard that before. He is a prophet like Moses, but he's different, and he's from among the people, okay? The other place I wanted to look um, is chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. And I'm going to read those real quick. Um, 22 and 23. And if, um, let me make sure, yeah. Sorry, I messed that up. 
His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God has given is giving you for an inheritance. So we see someone who is hanged on a tree is, is cursed by God. Um, this, these are the verses that motivated them to take Jesus off of the cross before, uh, before nightfall uh, had come in, the, in John. And then Galatians 3.13 um, speaks of Christ taking the death that we deserved. Okay, So God cursed Christ in, in, in putting Him on the, on the cross in our place. Okay, So we all, we've all heard He's our substitution. He's the one that died in our place. He took, he took the punishment that we deserved. All right? Um, now, earlier, <clears throat> earlier in the night, I talked about uh, William, uh, I'm sorry, that, uh, the quote that I used saying this was Jesus' favorite book of the Bible. So I'm going to need, real quick, I'm going to need somebody to turn to Deuteronomy 8.3. Casey, I'm going to need somebody to get Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Logan. Deuteronomy 6, 16, all right? Matthew 4, 5 through 7, all right? Deuteronomy 6, 13, anybody? All right? And Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Bethany, okay, sweet. Huh? I'm sorry, 4, 8 through 11. 4, 8 through 11. I put 5 up there. But when I was reading over it again today, I, I, I realized it is 4, 8 through 11. All right. So who had Deuteronomy 8, 3? Casey, go ahead. Okay. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Okay, so we see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And what does He use? He uses Scripture. And He uses Deuteronomy. Alright, so we're going to continue this theme. Who had Deuteronomy 6.16? Okay. <clears throat> Matthew 4, 5 through 7. Okay, so again, he's used Scripture out of Deuteronomy here to, to, to fight the devil's temptation. Um, Deuteronomy 6.13. Okay, Matthew 4.8-11.
All right, and the final temptation <clears throat> um, God uses Deuteronomy, uh, scripture from Deuteronomy to, to defend or to, to fight off Satan's temptation. All right, a um, couple of quotes. Um, the first one says, The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defeat itself. If God's word is good enough for Jesus, if the, if the, if the scripture is good enough for Jesus, to use against Satan. Scripture is good enough for us. It's plenty for us to use against unbelievers or, or whoever may be refuting Christ. Okay, um, And that was a quote by Charles Spurgeon. The other quote I wanted to share is it said, Jesus did not defeat the devil in those 40 days in the wilderness because he quoted Scripture at the devil. He defeated the devil by obeying the Scripture that he had quoted at the devil. Um, and one last, one last place... We've talked a lot about law tonight um, in, in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, in Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, it says, um, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill them. Christ came to fulfill the law because we couldn't. This law was to be kept perfectly, and we couldn't keep it. We couldn't accomplish this. Christ had to come. Christ did not come to take it away, but he came to fulfill it in our place. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, um, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time that we've had. We thank you for your word and we thank you um, for Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, that um, Lord, though, though your, your spokesperson tonight may have been flawed, we uh, pray that your word um, has taken root and that it has changed um, each and every one of us here tonight. Lord, we ask that you just be with us as we go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.